I hired a moving company and they picked it up and dropped it off on my parents' acreage. And it literally dropped it right on the ground and then we built walls around it. That's Daria Herney, an artist and letterpress printer, telling us about how her 2,000 pound letterpress wound up at her parents' acreage, ready to print up a greeting card storm. Hello, welcome to Maker's Moment, a podcast about makers in Edmonton and beyond. I'm Vicki Rusinski, I'm a maker and a designer, as well as co-organizer of the Royal Bison Art and Craft Fair here in Edmonton, Canada. This episode is all about letterpress printing with artist Daria Herney. She went to art school and trained as a printmaker. After she graduated, she changed her practice into a visual art business. She found that 2,000 pound Heidelberg letterpress designed for commercial printing and started printing decidedly non-commercial artful things of her own design. We talk about the joys of working by yourself, about nature's inspiration, and about being told not to make art when you're young, and how we defy those expectations and become who we want to be. Big thanks to Edmonton Made for sponsoring this season of the podcast. Make sure to check out their latest edition of the Gifted Catalog, your guide for over 100 local gift ideas, and give them a visit at edmontonmade.com. Don't forget we're on SoundCloud and Spotify. Listen and rate as you will. It's all at royalbison.ca slash makersmoment. Now back to Daria. My name is Daria Herney, and I'm a designer and illustrator and have a company called Homework Letterpress Studio. I've been an artist for eight years after I graduated from the fine arts program at the University of Alberta. And so we're here talking about letterpress today because you're also a letterpress printer. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, I think most people would be really curious to know how you went from being a fine artist uh, to becoming Mm -hmm. a letterpress printer and a card maker. Yeah. So at the U of A, I did a lot of printmaking. They have a really awesome printmaking department that's full of screen printing, etching, lino cut, everything, but they don't really do a lot of letterpress printing there. So that is not where I learned letterpress. But I did go to the Banff Center and I did an internship there in their printmaking department. And that's where I sort of learned what letterpress was. As a fine artist, you go to the Banff Center, stumble across a letterpress, essentially. Yes. And you get hooked? What happens? Kind of got hooked. I was always really interested in the letterpress craft. So when I was there, I just wanted to learn how to use the machine. And when I moved back to Edmonton, I also stumbled upon another machine (laughs) called the Heidelberg Windmill, which is a really giant beast made in 1965 and it it was pretty much made to do commercial printing it wasn't made for like fine art printing i really like the balance between taking my my knowledge from making art and then turning it into a commercial thing that i can make money off of totally we all gotta eat right (laughs) yeah um when you say the heidelberg is a beast like how Mm -hmm. how big is it it's 2,000 pounds, I believe. It's like the size of a cow. (laughs) (laughs) How did you, where did you find it? How did you move it? I got it from a newspaper printing company. They used to use it for like small things like flyers and ticket stubs, but 
they don't need it anymore and they wanted it to go to a good home so I hired a moving company and they picked it up and dropped it off on my parents acreage and it literally dropped it right on the ground and then we built walls around it seriously so yeah. your studio was built around your letterpress pretty much physically. yeah Amazing. yeah yeah there's a hole in the wall in case we ever have to take it out that was some smart genius thinking by my dad <laughs> he's the handyman in the company so you travel away from edmonton to print mm -hmm. just to have space to work yeah exactly it's an hour outside the city it's just nice to work on my own and be in my own headspace. I've always thought about moving it here in town and whatnot, but I'm like a solo worker. I like people, but I also have to kind of do my own thing. You can't get any more artisanal than this. So like <laughs> <laughs> the press in the woods somewhere. Yeah. You know, and you're making these beautiful drawings and printing them by hand. This just sounds like a really nice, idyllic way to be. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's like on a little tiny lake. Um, lots of birds and ducks and critters and things hanging around. And, you know, there's the garden and all the wildflowers and everything. And it's just, it really sets you in the right mood to make things. A lot of your illustrations, the custom illustrations you make for your parts and your pieces, they seem to be from that nature too, right? Like mm -hmm. You must get a lot of inspiration just from being out there. It's hard to define where the inspiration comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I just want it to be like a universal thing. People know what it is. It's, it's not specific to me. They see and they're like, oh yeah, those berries, I love berries. I can see myself being a berry. <laughs> Tell me about your illustrations some more. Like, they're very unique. They're very colorful. They have that, like, aesthetics of joy. Mm -hmm. um, they're very approachable, and they're super delightful. Like, they're very, very different. Do you, do you think that has part of the fact that you have a fine art training as well? Like, what, you, what do you so. What do you think about when you're making these illustrations? I want it to be super simple, nothing too complicated, and they want I want each drawing to have sort of a life of their own so they kind of like you know embody nostalgic feelings from the past things that i grew up with old illustrations how does adapting your illustrations for letterpress shape your work like is there something about the process that makes them more special or different most of the way i draw is by hand um I'll like either pull out my watercolors or some Copic markers, um, like pastels, whatnot, draw my computer. Then everything has to be turned into a black and white pure image and then turned into a plate and then made onto the letterpress. So there's a lot of process involved in that. It limits what I can do on the press. So everything is printed like one color at a time and that's how it ends up looking a certain way. I only usually do one or two colors. If there are two colors, I'll blend them to make a third. And yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like there's actually quite a bit of like technical knowledge too. Like being a printer is mm -hmm. a skill, it's a trade, right? Mm-hmm. And you're totally self-taught with that. Yes, yeah, there was some training that I did in at the Banff Center with Letterpress, but using my machine it's all self-taught how long did it take to get a grip on it 
Mm, that's a good question. Maybe like a year and a half before I started to feel more comfortable. There's always things I'm still learning. Even yesterday, I like the printing wasn't going well, the machine wasn't picking up the paper, and I'm looking at it like there has to be something wrong with it. And then finally it clicked in my head, I'm like there is a paper filter in this thing. So I open it up, there it is, it's like completely clogged. I'm like, right, like you gotta take care of your things, right? There's so many things to think about. And after that it was printing like a dream. Yeah, troubleshooting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is it about letterpress printing that is that has caught you? Like you've got the you know, you've got the bug for it, you're really into it. Um, yeah. Why this medium and and no other at the moment? Yeah, people are really in love with letterpress. They really love the like the texture that it makes, the embossment. It's like very hot right now, I feel like. But for me it's like I can still draw the way I want to draw, and then I'm still printing, mixing inks, using a machine that's like not computerized, and it can print hundreds of cards in a short amount of time. So it's a perfect blend between commercial and fine art. That's kind of something that I really want to do. I don't want to print commercial business cards for like a big bank. It would be the same, like the creative the process is part of it, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. I do do some custom work, but what I really love doing is seeing my drawing come up on the paper the first time that I print it. That's, what, that's why I'm doing it. Life is too short to do things that you don't want to do. <laughs> like, yes, I agree, I agree. I don't want to drive out an hour to print someone someone else's work yeah unless I like their work <laughs> of course yeah there's always room for strategic collaboration exactly sure, right? yeah <laughs> so like it must take you know when you say like life is too short you know like there must be some sacrifices you make to sort of be a letterpress printer and an artist right like is there like what are kind of the the pros and the cons mm -hmm. of this maker life you're living yeah there's a constant hustle oh yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't make work without other people not seeing it yeah like you're always sort of making work for someone else so you kind of have to think about who's looking at it who is your audience and that can get a little bit like it can kind of control what you make how do you balance that like because I know in my own work it's similar. I think like, oh, you know, I know, for example, that if I put red on something, it'll sell like much faster than mm -hmm. any other color. I don't mm -hmm. know what that is, but that doesn't also mean that every piece I ever make mm -hmm. has red on it. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes have to fight that urge because I want the sale. I want totally. the guaranteed interest yeah. versus some level of experimentation. Yeah. You just have to draw more than you make. Mm -hmm constantly being creative in other ways in your life too i'm like always trying to experiment with materials and different types of drawing styles and then it always ends up kind of getting filtered through the homework letterpress <laughs> filter right and also i'll sometimes print a card and i'm like you know what this one's for me i don't know if people will like it but i wanted to make it 
and this is my company, so I can do whatever I want. Totally. <laughs> Why go through all this hassle and effort if you don't get to do what you want? Exactly. Yeah. What's the first thing that you ever made for sale? I had some embarrassing art walk moments. <laughs> Selling like some small paintings and like watercolors and photographs too. We all gotta start somewhere. You do. Like. You have to see how people react to your work. I am glad I'm not there back in that moment. We've all been there. Yeah, we have. I think so. Yeah. You just gotta do it. Anytime you start trying something new, there is this absolutely wobbly period. Totally. And it's like, the worst, it, it gets worse if you're actually starting to get good at something else. You think you should be naturally pretty good at whatever this new know. thing is. And you're like, oh no, wait, you're like at the bottom. Like you need to learn all of this over again. Like, exactly. But I think it takes a lot to like try something new and then put it out there. Like that's very brave. Mm -hmm. You also just like learn to put your work out there, right? You could feel so comfortable doing it at home. And once you show other people, that's when the the real test comes and how do you talk about your work too <laughs> selling it isn't the only way of making things and getting it out there when i first started i thought i would be showing work in galleries and applying for artist residencies and i realized that that's not really what i wanted to do i didn't want that sort of hustle because <laughs> you're still working your art right so here i am making cards that people people always want to buy cards yeah and they want a little bit of joy in their lives like they just it's so nice to hand somebody a really delightful mm -hmm. note mm -hmm. yeah i love seeing people's reaction i guess part of the reason why i was frustrated with making work was that it needed this like artwork artwork yeah, yeah needed this deeper meaning needed to communicate something intense something super thoughtful and that's just not who I am. So I'm like, how do I, how do I just make things that I want to make and have people enjoy them with me? And that's how greeting cards started and letterpress. I wasn't obsessed with letterpress specifically, but it's like the good blend of making drawings and also printmaking, which I was doing before. Would you call yourself a maker? Would you call yourself a designer, illustrator? Yeah, I would say I'm a creative person. <laughs> That's fair. All-encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I would say I'm a maker. I'm always doing something. I'm always sewing or drawing or cooking or making something with my hands. So yeah, I'm a maker. I guess I wonder, like, what in your mind makes a maker? I kind of think of it like the old title of handyman. Maybe a maker is more creative that way. They're making something for someone else to use. Actually, part of the reason why I like letterpress. I'm not making individual items. It's just like one design. But I mean, eventually you build up this like stock of designs. Like you have, you know, like 50 different plates. And mm -hmm. That's a body of work. Yeah, totally. What makes you make the work that you do? Just think that it's always been in me. I'll give you a whole backstory of like, when I was in grade three, I told my teacher that I wanted to be an artist. And she rudely said, artists only make money when they die. Oh my God. To, a, to an eight year old. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess I believe you. 
So in like two years later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a cartoonist because I know cartoonists make money. And then, you know, two years after that, when I started to become more interested in design and style, I was like, I want to be an interior designer. And then my mom's like, okay, what about a nurse? <laughs> I also got that line. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to like the, the, to the fine art high school. And like my dad was like, what about nursing? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Girls get paid well for nursing. And then, so when I had to decide what to to do after high school I'm like okay I'll go to university I'll just do general arts see if something piques my interest a year after that I'm like nope I'm gonna do fine arts I know that I like doing that and that's I guess that's what keeps me going it's just I can't stop making things your mind just keeps going like you think of what to do next you think of what to make next you're just creating projects in your head you give them life like mm-hmm. it's not they just sort of like die on a you know notepad somewhere and never happen too totally yeah i mean there's a lot of that too sure you wake up in the middle of the night and you have this brilliant idea and you're like i should write this down but i'm too tired and then it disappears the next morning what is it about like being young and being told that you shouldn't be an artist because it's impractical or something i just you know, this podcast is full of people who are doing, like, really interesting things. It's full of people who had someone else tell them they couldn't do it, too. And you just have to... I think that's maybe that's part of it. You just realize that you're going to keep doing it anyways. Even if it's as for a hobby or it's your part-time gig or something, you're still going to be making something. So you might as well get something out of it I think you need a good community around you people telling you that you're doing just keep going and keep making the things that we enjoy seeing that's helpful um you know it's like it's just surrounding yourself with inspiration and a good community that's Edmonton that's Edmonton I'm totally with you we all really like each other mm-hmm. around here. I find that so wonderful. Mm-hmm. This is where I grew up. I really like the city. My family is here. It has a good community. I just don't want to be anywhere else. I don't know if people look at Edmonton in the same way that we do. Like they kind of think about it as like a oh it's a meh. What is this city anyways? And maybe they don't look at it with or creatives that come from it with as much importance as they would from like a bigger city mm-hmm. how do we change that like this is my eternal question like how do we become a city that is very proud of its absolutely unique design scene more of us have to start talking about it and especially if you're like starting to reach out to other places other cities other countries a lot of the times it's easy to hide the fact that you're from Edmonton to make yourself look more professional maybe but why not say that you're from Edmonton like what's what's the big deal it doesn't matter where you're from these days really you can sell to anyone anywhere in the world talk to me about experimentation or failure in your work especially like when I'm printing failure can be hard to overcome (laughs) 
It's like when you hear of a ceramicist get a broken cup out of the kiln. It's kind of heartbreaking. It's the same thing with one color looks good when you're printing, but the second color can look awful. And it's such a, it's, it's so painful to have to redo that mm -hmm. <laughs> because cleaning the rollers mm. takes like, takes too long to want to change up the color. Yeah, I guess there's other failures in like selling work and, you know, re thinking that one design that you make is going to be a huge success and realizing that it's a huge flop. You can't really predict what people are going to like. To overcome it is just to not be too precious with everything you make. Well, you have to remember why you're doing it. What's the best part about making your things? I think I just like... I like seeing people's reactions. I like knowing that people are enjoying it and and passing it on to someone else. They're not just buying it for themselves, they're buying it for their friend or their mom or their boyfriend or whoever is in their life. So that's the best part. What is kind of the hardest or most annoying thing about making things? I think the hardest and most annoying thing is doing the sales part of it and all the business side of it. Mm -hmm. The part that most creatives don't want to do. Yeah. My dream is to have like a perfect schedule where you get your drawing done, you get your printing, you get your computer work, your inventory all equally. But life is doesn't want to work that way. You can't really have that balance that you want. What's your typical day like, like if you're printing? Or like a typical week? I guess it takes a while mm -hmm. between drawing and printing. Yeah, so like I was saying, it. I try to get, I try to draw all the time just to keep that part of my brain active. And then I try to go to the studio twice a week to get some printing done. And then do all the business stuff in between. Do you keep an eye on sustainability? Definitely. It's definitely on people's minds way more than it used to be. I am like a huge hoarder of all my scrap paper, so much that I have to start thinking about what to do with it. All the paper that I use is made from cotton scraps, so environmentally friendly that way. Um, I use like eco-friendly sleeves to wrap the cards in and I think I just try to not overproduce work instead of going with the trend of having this many cards available at this time of year I just try to go on my own schedule mm -hmm. I think that's pretty environmentally conscious instead of like doing what you think people want you to do. You just live like your own sustainable lifestyle. It, I call it slow design. Like yeah. there isn't always something new because it's not necessary. And that's the beauty of greeting cards is that they don't go out of style. Yeah. <laughs> like the same card that was, at least with my designs, they're not really trend focused. The same card that was popular two years ago will still be a main seller now so why would i get rid of that card what happens when somebody local buys your local card mm -hmm. i'm assuming things travel less 
you know. Exactly. You know, you that kind of idea that every dollar you spend in the local economy makes a bigger impact. What's your number one item? Did you, like, stumble into it? Or did it come from, like, you know, some market research or something? <laughs> like... <laughs> market research I I feel like my best seller is the first card I ever made how does that happen that's everybody's story I finally found some success with this weird thing and I just kept going and then the weird thing is the one that everybody loves yeah 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 yeah, it's a strawberry card I mean there's some gems that kind of come in every year that I'm surprised by but I think it's like really helpful to know which ones are your best sellers just to work from. (laughs) (laughs) That takes time though, developing a style. You want to keep making things to challenge yourself, but you know that people want to see similarities in your work. Hmm. It's almost like a trust thing. Yeah, I try not to limit myself too much with that. I just hope that because I'm making it, it's my style. (laughs) So you've been at this a while now, three years of printing, Mm -hmm. three years of homework letterpress. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you tell a new designer or maker trying to start out in this field? What would you do differently if you started again? Constantly drawing, constantly experimenting, um, and don't be afraid to show your work too. Do you want to tell me about some of your design or maker crushes? Like anybody you're really enjoying, you want to give a shout out to? Like Lucky Horse Press is awesome. I think she's from New York. It's like really great 60s style designs. Also letterpress printer. Also found out that she was printing in her parents' basement. Hey. Yeah. Parallels. Parallels, exactly. (laughs) I love learning about how other makers lives look compared to mine <laughs> I think we all do that's what we're all here for <laughs> totally yeah, yeah. yeah and that's what's good about buying from like a local maker is you get to meet them and learn about them and all of that there's a new greeting card company in Vancouver called Badger and Burke I believe that's what they're called mm-hmm. really cute designs mm-hmm. really joyful sweet little drawings and things mm-hmm. what is next what's what's next for homework letterpress mm. what is next more designs i wanted to do wrapping paper i don't know maybe more stationary type things just for fun i'm glad you just the answer is i'm keeping on going yeah exactly <laughs> that's awesome thank you so much you're welcome thank Yay. you So, can we all take a second to think about how Daria's grade 3 teacher told her artists only make money when they die? I'm so glad Daria didn't listen to her and just made art anyways. Letterpress printing is such an amazing commitment to the craft. If you want to know more about the process, I've put a few links in the show notes over at royalbison.ca slash makersmoment, and there's photos up on the site from Daria's studio as well. I really love the part of our conversation about Edmonton's amazing community, and it's so important to talk about how Edmonton could try to get recognized for its totally unique design scene outside of the city limits. Hopefully this podcast is helping if you are outside of the city limits and you're listening. I would love to hear from you. Uh, Drop us a line, makersmoment at royalbison.ca. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know when new episodes come 
out we're on soundcloud subscribe to the soundcloud feed and keep an eye on those at the royal vibes and social media feeds to find out when there's something new to listen to we're also on spotify just search makers moment so subscribe do that rating thing whatever you want to do and big thanks to edmonton made again for sponsoring this season of the podcast Make sure to check out their latest edition of Gifted, your guide for over 100 local gift ideas at edmontonmade.com. And of course, our super fun original music was created by Carbalizer. You can look up the newest album at carbalizer.bandcamp.com. Until next time.